Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDB credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. Hi, this is Billy Gallo, and welcome to Hollywood Dreammaker. I am your host, and I will be your guest today. Today, I just wanted to talk about the art of the audition. Now, I know a lot of great actors, but they're not booking jobs. And the reason for it is they don't know how to audition. I learned very, very early on, on my very, very first audition, a valuable lesson that I've applied throughout my career, and it's worked for me. That very first audition that I got, I booked that job and I got Taft Hartley. That means I got brought into the union. They had to pay a fine for hiring a non-union actor and they got me my Screen Actors Guild card. So here's the story. I was 18. I came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket. I didn't know a soul out here. I started running out of money real fast. I knew I had to find an agent. I knew I had to find a job. Otherwise, I was going to be on the street. I found an ad in a recycler, which was like a little newspaper where people sold stuff. And there was a roommate needed. It was 100 bucks for the month. So I went out and I got this job in this Italian restaurant. And um, I'd have to walk from this place where I was renting a room and I negotiated that I would pay them as I got paid from the busboying job. You know, I was limping around because I had a broken leg and I just wanted to come out to Hollywood so bad that I cut my cast off myself. So I was hobbling around on one foot and uh, I was bussing tables just to make some money to survive in Hollywood. And then uh, I knew I needed to get an agent. So I got a list of agents from the Screen Actors Guild. I got myself a uh, Thomas Guide, which was a big map, kind of telling you the streets, because this is before cell phones and GPS and all that good stuff. And I literally went door to door, banging on doors, looking for an agent. And I was, you know, selling myself as the greatest thing since peanut butter and jelly. You know, I was promoting myself. I was an actor from New York and Lee Strasberg and the actor's studio. And, you know, this is all true. But I was, you know, when I would pitch myself, you know, I I became my first manager. (laughs) I found out this thing called the breakdowns. I found out that casting people or TV shows, if they were looking for somebody for their show, they would put out a breakdown and then the breakdown would go to the agents and the agents would look through the breakdowns and they'd say, okay, they're looking for an 18 year old with dark hair to play the the bad guy in this TV show. Well, 
if I'm an agent and I represent somebody that fits that description, I would submit them and I try to get them into the door to read for the part. Well, I found out about this breakdowns that would be delivered to cast uh, agents. They'd be dropping them off right on their stoop in a manila envelope. And I decided that it would be a really good idea for me to start taking those breakdowns. So as soon as the delivery guy would drop them off, I would take them. And then I'd sit in Denny's and I'd play my own agent. And I would look through the breakdowns and find the roles that I thought I was right for. And I would submit myself or I'd even call them up and say hi and I created a, a fake name my name was Bill Brook that's short for Brooklyn Billy from Brooklyn so I would say hi this is Bill Brook I re- represent you know and I play my own agent manager and uh, you know I started doing that and submitting myself where I'd take you know my headshot in a manila envelope and I'd go to the studio and I'd say that I had a, a delivery for a casting director and, you know, usually I could walk right by the guards at the gate because that was a daily practice, you know, people dropping off manila envelopes to casting. So I would, you know, literally knock on the casting director's door and I'd give her the envelope and say it was a delivery, but it was only one picture in it. And it was mine, <laughs> mine and my resume. And I'd work whatever angle I could. I, w- I was hungry. And then I started uh, looking for an agent and, you know, I pound the pavement and I went down the list and I went through the A's and the B's and the C's and the doors would slam in in my face. And then, you know, I kept banging. I kept banging on the door. I didn't take no for an answer. Finally, I found an agent at Y, the Bob Yenez Talent Agency. Bob was a character. Bob was a short, stocky, Mexican guy. He, you know, the first day I met him, I walked into his office and I sat in a chair and he was behind his desk and he opened up the drawer that he had in his desk and he pulled out a little bottle of tequila and, and he said, you want a shot of tequila? <laughs> so I was like, no. I'm like, and then, you know, he proceeded to pull out a stack of Polaroid pictures with a rubber band with, there were pictures of girls, you know, that he had taken pictures of. Not the nicest pictures either. So literally I was walking out the door going, you know, I'm out of here. And as I was walking out the door, he said, wait, 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 wait. He said, there was a role on a TV show and it was a guest starring role and they were looking for a character. They said the kid's name was Billy. Okay. And it was for a TV show called The Fall Guy. Well, I'll tell you a little something about The Fall Guy. When I was 17 and I was sitting in Brooklyn and I was dreaming about coming to Hollywood I'd look at this TV show called The Fall Guy and it was all about Hollywood and, you know, stunts and it was behind the scenes. And I was fascinated with the show. And I I literally said to myself when I was sitting on that couch, I said, I'm going to do that. I am going to do that. Cut to Hollywood. I'm walking out the door and he says, there's a show called The Fall Guy. And I went, my head turned. He says, yeah, there's a role. And the kid's name is Billy. I was like, you get me in. I will get that part. I told him. So, you know, he got me in the door. You know, he got, he submitted me, you know, and casting literally, I got the audition. Now the audition, I was living in Van Nuys and the audition was in 20th Century Fox and it was way on the other side. And I took, I think, I don't know, five different buses to get there. You know, it took me hours, but I show up to the audition and I walk into the lobby 
And I see all these actors, you know, with leather jackets on, trying to look like tough guys. And, you know, I don't know. They look like they were from Beverly Hills. They just look like they look fake to me because I was right off the streets of Brooklyn. I mean, literally off the plane. My leather jacket was real. It was, you know, I had been through a war. And I literally walked over to every one of the actors and I put my fist in their faces because I had a diamond pinky ring that said Billy and the character's name was Billy. So as far as I was concerned, I was Billy. Everybody should go home. So I did. I went and I put my fist in everybody's face and I said, what does that say? Billy, that's me. You can go home. And then I walked over to the next actor. I put my fist in his face and I said, what does that say? Billy, yeah, you can go home. I told everybody to go home because Billy had arrived. Then I walked into the room with the casting director. And the scene was, is I'm threatening this kid. I'm trying to get him to deal drugs. I'm trying to get him to deal PCP and I'm a bully. So what was I doing in the lobby? I was Billy the bully. The character was Billy the bully. And then I got into the room with the casting director and the scene was, and I remember the line still, let me tell you something about me. I'm either going to be your friend or your enemy. And remember, your bodyguard's not around to protect you. So I didn't know any better. And I got in that room and I literally grabbed the casting director out of her chair and I pulled her up into my face. And I, as I was yelling at her and spewing saliva and she put her hands in the timeout, you know, she said, timeout, timeout, timeout. She goes, okay. She goes, number one, she goes, never, ever, ever, ever put your hands on a casting director ever again. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. It's my first audition, you know. She goes, okay, number two, she goes, you're not leaving town, are you? And I was like, no, why? She goes, because you got the part. She goes, but you can't tell the other actors outside in the lobby because I got to read them out of courtesy, but you got the part. That's the only time in my whole life, in my whole career that I, that I was told right there in the room that I got the part. It was my very first audition. So then I walked out into the lobby and I looked at all the actors and I said, go home. She told me I got the job. <laughs> okay. Now, here's the valuable lesson. Number one, you never want to do any of that. You never want to get into a confrontation with another actor in the lobby. You never want to put your hands on a casting director, you know. But here's the valuable lesson that I learned and that I want to share with you guys today. And I've, I've taken this lesson with me my whole career, and it's worked like a charm. And I teach it to my actors at my school, the Manhattan Actors Studio, and they apply it, and I get the call, hey, I got that part. It worked. Okay, So here's my secret. And I, I, you know, I, I only share it with my students, and I'm sharing with you now. Number one, what did I do when I went into that lobby? I own the lobby. As far as I was concerned, Billy had entered the lobby. The character's name was Billy. He was a bully. Billy the bully came into the lobby. I had no doubt in my mind that I, I was Billy and this was my part. It's that confidence, it's being able to own the lobby. Well, how do you own the lobby? Maybe the role is John and it's not Billy and maybe you know nothing about this character. Well, that's where the work comes in. You have to put the work in. You have to create a backstory for your character. You've got to know, let's say the character's name is John. Well, John, what's your last name? Well, John, where you come from? You know, where were you born? What's your father's name? What's your mother's name? You know, know who you are because, you know, your last name says a lot about you. 
where you grew up says a lot about you. You know, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I'm a product of my environment. You know, there's a thing to me that was created as a young child. You know, when my mother would give me her last, you know, $10 or whatever it was, five bucks to go buy bread and milk at the corner store and I'd get to the corner and some junkie would stick a knife in my face and take the money and I was supposed to be the man in the house. You know, you kind of feel like, you know, a public persona is created. You know, a mask gets put on you because you're afraid, so you put on this hard shell. So I would walk down the streets with a mug on my face, which was like, don't even look in my direction. Don't mess with me. That is what happens because you're a product of your environment. You have to know where your character's from. How does your character walk? I mean, the way they walk, you know, if they grew up on the streets of Brooklyn, they may walk a certain way. If they grew up in Venice Beach, they're going to walk a certain way. Their wardrobe is going to be completely different too. You know, he's going to have flip-flops on. He's going to have a leather jacket. I don't know, but that's up to you as the actor to create a backstory. Why? Because the other actors aren't. And you know more than them. And that's how you own the lobby. When you can come into a room so prepared, so confident that you know this part, you know it better than the writer who wrote it because he didn't write the backstory, you did. You know the backstory, you know where he, how he walks, you know how he talks, you know you, you have the wardrobe on of the character because you've done your research, you know, whatever it is that you've done the work, you've created a, you know, you, you know what your character has in his pockets because, you know, you did a private moment exercise you know what happened last night. You know he's got some Advil in his pocket because he drank a bottle of Jack Daniels last night. Because you created the backstory. You created the previous circumstance. And then you can truly, you don't have to say a word. You can own the lobby just by walking into the room and knowing confidently that I am more prepared than everybody else. And that's what it's about. It's about preparation. You don't want to be reading your script. You don't want to, you want you, you, those lines, you want to know them backwards and forwards and you want to be free from them so you can actually play in the room. The more prepared you are, the better you're going to be. If you fail to prepare, you've prepared to fail. That's it. So it's about preparation. So one, the valuable lesson was own the lobby. And I owned it because I was confident that I was Billy and I was bullying these guys. And, you know, I was just, I was a character. This is what you do. You create the character. You know who you are. You know everything about your character. Two, what did I do when I walked into the room? Well, I scared the shit out of that casting director. I put fear into her. Well, guess what? What was the given circumstance of the scene? The given circumstance of the scene was I was a bully bullying another kid, putting fear into him so he'd deal drugs. That's what I did. I put fear into her. It's what the scene was about. That's why I got the part. I was the character. I was Billy. And I was threatening her. And it was real. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was acting, but I made her feel fear. That is the valuable lesson. Make them feel. Whatever it is. If it's a sitcom, what are you supposed to do? Well, I'm supposed to make them laugh. Well, make them laugh. If it's a horror film, well, I'm supposed to scare the crap out of them. You know, whatever the given circumstance in the scene is, that is your job to go in there and make them feel that. That's why people pay the big bucks to sit in a dark theater, because they want to feel something. They want to be scared. They want to laugh. They want to cry. That is your job as an artist, as an actor, is to make them feel. Make them feel. Three, what did I do? 
I walked out of that room confident. Why? She told me I got the job. Well, your job as an actor is when you're done with your audition, I want you to think in your mind, I just rock this audition. Because here's what's going to happen. If I'm a casting director and I look at you and I see that behavior, you know, it's that ounce of behavior is worth a pound of words. If I see that confidence in you, you're planting a seed into my head. Like, wow, he did good. I mean, you could have had a great audition and you look down at the end, your behavior is telling me you didn't do good. So your job is to think, I just friggin' rocked this audition and walk out of the room confident because you are planting a seed in that casting director's mind. And the other actors that are in the lobby shitting themselves because they're all nervous, they're going to see you walk out of the room fully with a smile, confident, like you just rocked that room. And you're going to get them out of the game without saying a word. Just your behavior. A little smile on your face. That does wonders. That's it. One, own the lobby. Two, make them feel. Three, walk out confident. If you can apply that to every audition you go in, you're going to start booking some jobs. I know for a fact. I'll give you an example. I did a movie called Crash, an Academy Award winning film. And I played an LAPD officer that pulls over Terrence Howard's character the second time in the movie. And, you know, I'm a cop and it's been a high speed chase. And I tell him to step out of his vehicle and get down on the ground. And, you know, and he starts talking back. And I have a gun drawn on him and I am about to blow his head off of his shoulders because he's the way he's talking to me. And Ryan Phillippe's character jumps in the line of fire and says, I know this guy, you know, and, and I say, this guy better be related to you by blood because this is nuts. So when I got that piece of material, I asked myself, what am I supposed to make him feel? And um, it's that feeling of, you know what, I'm about to get shot. So I spoke about this in, uh, in the episode I did with Bobby Moresco, the Academy Award winning writer from Crash, that at the audition, you know, I wanted to make him feel like what it would feel like to have a gun. So instead of doing what most actors did in that room, you know, faked it with their fingers, you know, the little finger gun, I decided to take my black wallet and pull it out of my pocket, but I treated it as if it was a gun and it's black and it's coming out and I'm handling it just like if it's a loaded gun and I'm about to shoot somebody. Well, when I pulled that gun out in that room, my wallet, you know, and I was verbally making command, get down on the ground, let me see your hands. And I was doing all this stuff. I could see the fear on the casting director's face and the producers. They literally were ducking behind chairs because they didn't know what was coming at them. And after my audition, I put my wallet back into my pocket and they said, that was the scariest wallet we've ever seen. I knew at that moment I had him. I got that part because I made him feel what it feels like to have a gun in your face. I'm going to tell you another story. I once played a, um, a serial killer in an episode of uh, was it like CSI New York or CSI Miami. One of these. I think it was CSI New York. And... Um, this guy was just an eerie kind of guy, you know, uh, it's just, the material was very uncomfortable. They're trying to, you know, woman's trying to get me to admit why I killed this young girl. 
And it was just this eerie kind of feeling. And I just wanted to, you know, make them feel uncomfortable. I said to myself, what am I supposed to make them feel? So I walked into the room and I didn't say hello. I kind of owned the room. I, I believe I sat on the casting director's desk and I waited till it got so uncomfortable in the room before I started delivering my lines. And then I literally walked out of the room. Now, I didn't come in as the actor, Billy Gallo, coming in. Hey, hi, guys. How you doing? I didn't do any of that shit. I don't want them to see Billy Gallo. I wanted to see the character. I gave the character from the moment I walked in to the moment I walked out. They know what I'm there for. I'm there to perform. I'm there to show them the character. That is your job. You know, you, you can lose a, a, an audition at hello. If you can't slate your name properly, if you don't know how to speak your name, I, you've lost me. I'm checking out. So, you know, I want to walk you through just walking into the room, okay? You know, a lot of actors, they're, they're in the head. They're nervous. They don't know what to do with themselves, with their hands, their script. Their hands are shaking, you know, all of this stuff. Here's what you do. You don't want to be the actor coming in to audition for a part. You want to be the character coming in, whatever the given circumstances. You want to be the character getting interrogated by the police. It's like Halloween. I mean, you want to bring the character into the doors. You know, Halloween, you put the little costume on and you, you know, you, you hide behind the mask and it's trick or treat and, and it's fun and you're playing. Well, it's the same thing when you come into an audition. You want to come in and you want to have the wardrobe of the character on, you know. I mean, I can't tell you, you know, I did a film called Strike One and, um, you know, I, I went to the audition and I, I play an LAPD gang unit sergeant. I remember going to the audition and I came in in a full LAPD uniform. And when I walked into the room, everybody thought I was a cop, even the actors, you know, because, you know, sometimes cops moonlight and they do some acting and everybody, you know, I had actors, guy, you know, are you really a cop? And I, I was like, no, I, I do this, you know, uh, for the fun. I said, is that your silver Mercedes parked outside? Because if you don't move it, I'm going to have that shit towed. I mean, I was cop from the moment I walked in to the moment I walked out. But when they put me on tape for that part, I was the cop. And I remember talking to the director who cast me. Now, he had somebody in mind to play that part. It was one of the producers. They had done it as a short film. And that role was kind of promised to uh, one of the producers who played the part in the short film. But then he saw me and he told me uh, we were having a drink at a bar one night. And I said, why did you cast me? And he said, well, it was your audition. He said, when I saw the tape, all of a sudden I saw the guy, I saw the character. I was like, that's him. I didn't leave anything to the imagination. I didn't come in in a blue shirt. I didn't come, you know, there's a fine line. People say, you know, you don't come into wardrobe. You know what? There are no rules. You do whatever you want. Show them who the character is, change their mind. And that's exactly what I did. I changed the director's mind, and I got that part. And, you know, that is your job as an actor. They think they know what they want. It is your job to show them who they want, that you are the character. And the only way you do that is by doing the work, like truly knowing the character, knowing how they dress, how they walk, how they talk. You know, I don't want to meet you if I'm a casting director. I want to see the character. I want to see the cop. Now, I learned this very early on as a young actor. I'd come into a room, let's say, uh, for the military, 
you know, guy. And I was a cocky young actor, you know. I I wasn't coming in wardrobe. I had my script rolled up in the, my back pocket. And I'd come into the room and I'd sit in a chair, you know, like me, you know, just kind of my legs open. And, you know, I lost that part at hello. There was nothing military about me whatsoever. But then I got hit. And I decided to, you know, okay, it's a military role. Why well, shave my head? And I put on a tight fitting shirt and I did a hundred push-ups in the lobby and I had fatigues on and dog tags and combat boots. And I come into that room as a Marine and sit tall and, you know, yes, sir. You know, I was a Marine. I was serving Marine up. Yum, yum. Marine. Don't leave anything to the imagination. This is me as a Marine. You know, there's one thing if, you know, the, you come in and you, I'm showing you who the character is, you know, or you have to use the imagination. Hmm, I wonder what it would look like if he had his head shaved and he, and you know, he, w- he wasn't in his jeans and he wasn't some military, you know, don't leave anything to their imagination. Show them who the character is. That is your job. You know, I want to rewind a little bit because I want to go to the beginning when you get the call. Right. You get the call. The agent calls you up and says, hey, you have a, an audition tomorrow for Criminal Minds and it's eight pages of material and it's a producer session. And OK, now you have this eight, eight pages of material. Now, if you're lucky, you get a script. Most of the time you don't get a script. But now you have these three scenes you have to work on. Well, guess what? You're going to have to cancel your plans. You're going to have to turn off your cell phone. You're going to have to do, you got to put the work in. You got to learn those eight pages better than everybody else. You got to outwork them, outchoice them, outprep them, out everything them. Okay. Then you go into that room and guess what? Let your auditions at, let's say, uh, I don't know, three o'clock. You better give yourself enough time to drive to the audition, find parking, Get there early. You never, ever, ever want to get to an audition late or even on time because you never know. You know, a lot of, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into the audition and guess what? They changed the material. You know, those eight pages you studied? Well, they're not doing that scene. They've changed it. They're going to give you something else. Well, if you get there a half hour early, you know, you go in the room and you ask the assistant that's behind the desk and you say, hi, I'm early. And I was wondering, is it possible that I can take a look at a script? And sometimes if she's nice and there's a script available, they'll let you look at the script. Well, that's what you want to do. You want to get there and look at that script because you want to see your character in the other scenes. Maybe, you know, your character's mother dies in the first scene, but you didn't know that. So now you can make the adjustment. You know what's really going on. Your job is to get as much information, more information than the other actors because they only got the eight pages. The only way you do that is by doing your preparation. Now, let's say there's no script available. Well, maybe there are other sides. There are sides of the script for other characters in the show. Well, read them all. Because if you read all those sides on the wall, guess what? You're reading the script. Pivotal scenes from the thing. And you may find out information in another scene about your character. But the only way you're going to do that is if you get there early. Now, if you show up late to my audition, guess what? You're not getting the job. Why? Because if you show up late to my set, you're my principal actor. You show up late to my set, you're costing me hundreds of thousands of dollars. I got, I got 150 people on payroll here and I can't shoot anything until my principal actor shows up. So that's why I'm not going to cast you. If you show up late to my audition, you're not getting the part. Now, you also don't want to come into the room all frazzled because you didn't get a chance to ground yourself because you're out of breath because you had to run to get to the, you know, you want to be able to 
ground yourself in that lobby. You want to be able to sit in that lobby and you want to find your roots, you know, and, and I talk about this a lot and I teach my actors how to meditate because it's truly something that you need in your active toolbox. You need to be able to know how to ground yourself. You need to know how to breathe. Most people don't know how to breathe. It's kind of silly, but they don't, you know, they're chest breathers, but you want to breathe all the way from your roots. You want you to visualize you have roots growing out of your feet and the breath comes all the way up, all the way up to your seat and into your belly and into your heart and into your throat and into your crown on your head. And you want to bring that breath all the way up and all the way up. And you want to train that because in order to be a great actor, you have to be relaxed. And the only way I found to be relaxed is to learn how to breathe and ground yourself and train yourself. So when you need it, that breath is there for you. You just take that breath and the mind goes, oh, I know what we're doing. We're getting out of our head and we're getting into our heart. and We're grounding ourselves and we're coming from a different place. Now, your energy, you know, you walk into a room. If you come into a room in fear, they can smell that a mile away. But imagine for a moment that you walked into a room shining your light, coming from love, from that beautiful divine light within you. So the light within me is coming to say hello to the light within you. You know, it's a different place if you come into a room in that, in love, in vibration, in play mode, because you're going to have fun and you love acting. And guess what? Here's a chance to act in front of an audience. An audition should not be painful. It should be fun. It's a chance for you to create a character. Whether you get the part or not, you're creating a character. You do what you love to do. So do it, have fun with it, okay? So you get to that audition early, you've done all this work, you're grounding yourself, you're breathing, you've looked at the script and the sides, so you know more information than the next guy. That's how you own the lobby. You're in the wardrobe of the character. It's not you, it's the character in that lobby, like Billy was in the lobby. Now you gotta be careful, because there's a game. And a game is called the lobby game. And I talked a little bit about it when I had my guest Emilio Rivera on the show. And the lobby game is pretty much other actors in the lobby trying to get you out, out of your game, talking to you, telling them what movies they just did or what they did and blah, 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 noise, noise, noise. Your job is to block all that out. Even if it's your best friend, you say, listen, I'll talk to you after the audition. I'm working here. Now, you want to be like a heavyweight fighter. When I would audition, I would find a quiet little spot, and that was my spot, and I was in the corner waiting for the bell to ring because I wanted to go into that room and knock somebody out. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm waiting for the bell to ring, ding, ding, and go in there and go get that thing. You know, And it's not about getting the part. It's about just going in there and just having fun and rocking the room. Whether you get the part or not, it doesn't matter because those casting directors are going to remember you. And if it's not this job, it's going to be another one. And you're going to make fans. And that's your job as an actor. To Every time you get an opportunity to audition, go in that room and have fun. Make some big choices. And casting directors are going to remember that. If you leave a piece of your soul in that room, they're going to remember that. And they're going to become a fan of your work. And they're going to actively look. Something comes up. They're going to go, oh, let's bring Billy back in on that. He's perfect for the part. So that is your job is to make fans. Go in there and have some fun. Don't ever go in a room trying to get the job because I need to pay. Desperation, they can smell desperation a mile away. Okay, I've been on the other side as a producer and I've watched actors come in and nervous and desperate and it's almost painful to watch. Okay? The flip side of that coin is when they're having fun and they made some big choices and they're in play mode, then it's fun to watch. And that's somebody I want to work with. 
So if I'm going to cast you on my project, we're going to be working for the next couple of months together. We're going to be working 16-hour days. I want somebody that's fun, professional, prepared, somebody that I can count on, somebody that's directable. Okay, but we're going to get to that in a second. So now we're still in the lobby now. Okay, so now you're in the lobby. You've done the work. You've made all your choices. You've done all your prep. You're more prepared than everybody else. Now you get into the room. Now, your words, the words that come out of your mouth are very, very powerful. So if I'm a cast director and I say, hey, how are you today? And you say, I'm good. You know, how are you? Okay, well, first off, you just planted the seed of good in that casting director's head because she asked, how are you doing? And you said, good. Can you plant the better seed than good? How about great? How about awesome? How about fantastic? How about a seed more powerful than good? Do you want to be good or do you want to be awesome? It's up to you. They're your words. You got to be careful how you use them. So plant awesome seeds. You don't want to say, how are you? Because it's not about small talk. You want to keep the spotlight on the awesome you. That is your job. You can say thank you. I'm doing amazing. Thank you. Oh, you just checked another box. Not only is he amazing, but he's polite. Check, check. You got two checks. Okay. So your words are super powerful. That's how people know you. You know, if you call up your friend and say, hey, what are you up to? And you're, oh, I'm depressed, man. I'm just going to binge watch Netflix and just hang out. You know. And then you call up another friend and they go, what's up? And oh, life is great. I'm going to go take, take a walk down at the beach. And uh, who do you want to hang out with? Yeah, because their words that's what they told you. That's how people know each other, by your words. So make sure you use the right words in that room because you have five minutes. So why not use awesome words, plant awesome seeds. This, I'm teaching you a Jedi mind trick right now with, with casting, okay? Casting directors, hopefully they're not going to hear this so that they're going to know what you're doing. But this is what I would do with them is I would feed them exactly what I wanted them to hear. They'd ask me, you have any questions on the material? And I'd say, I've got this. I just told them, I've got the part. I've got this. I told them I'm amazing and I've got this. I just planted those seeds into their brain. It may sound silly, but believe me, it works. Because you go in there and you, you plant all the right seeds and you walk out confident and you rock that room and you leave a piece of your soul behind, they're going to remember you. Absolutely. So, do you want to be good? No. You want to be great. You want to be awesome. If they ask you, do you have any questions on the material? Yeah, you don't want to, unless you have a really good question that has to pertain to the, the scene and the script. And, you know, sometimes, you know, yeah, what is my relationship to this character? You know, whatever it may be, as long as it's an intelligent question, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes I'll, I'll have a question prepared because I like to throw the ball back onto their court. Because if I say, well, what is my relationship to this character? Now they have to answer and now the pressure's off me. I've just put the ball on their court. So now I can ground myself in the room, take a breath, listen, take that note, and apply it to my performance. But that's only if you have an intelligent question. Okay? So now, you know, you're in the room. You're saying all the right things. You know how to stand on your mark. You know how to slate your name. You want to make eye contact. Okay? It's like, remember that casting director I grabbed and I grabbed her by her and I yanked her out of her chair? Well, I want you to do that with your eyes. You make eye contact, you smile. Unless you're a serial killer, then maybe you don't smile. But you, you engage them. You grab them and you don't let them go. You rock their world and you walk out confident. That's it. It's all about playtime. It's about you having fun. OK, 
Okay, so if you prepare, you know the background for the character, you know who you are, you know, you're in that room and the writer say, I know more about this character than you, the writer, because you didn't write the backstory, I did. It's my choices. I've loaded up my choices. I know what's going on with my character. I know my character's, you know, wife just died. So, you know, I'm bringing in, I have all this emotion. It's, you know, it's not even about what the scene's about. It's about what my previous circumstances, or maybe my character has a sensory condition going on, you know, that, you know, maybe they stopped at the bar beforehand, you know, so their behavior is a little looser, whatever it is, those choices is what it's all about. Talent lies within those choices. The bigger, the bolder, the stronger your choices, the better you're going to be. The more you load yourself up and have stuff to play, and I'm not saying play stuff in the room. You do the homework and then you leave it, and then you just in the moment and you listen and you react, and the the homework will come out in the audition. So now you've auditioned and you've made them feel right because you ask yourself, well, what am I supposed to make them feel? Well, you know, my character cries in this thing, you know, in this scene because his mother's in the hospital. Well, you know, then you got to go, okay, well, how do I get them to feel that? Well, here's how you do it. You got to dig into your actor toolbox. You got to find your truth. Where's your pain? What makes you, you know, cry? You know, if I had to do that scene, I could go to, you know, my dog getting run over by a car. I can go to my 11-year-old niece that passed away from brain cancer. I can go to my pain and I can use that as my paint to paint the canvas of the scene. But let let me tell you something. If I expose that truth in that scene, you're going to feel it because it's real. I'm not acting. And if that casting director has to get down on her hands and knees and wipe up your tears so the next actor doesn't slip and crack their head, she's going to remember you. So your job is to make them feel whatever it is, whatever the given circumstances, make them feel that. Leave a piece of your soul in that room and walk out confident. Remember, that's the key. Your entrance and your exit is so important. It's just like the audition. You know, you got you to gotta own that. You got to own that lobby. You got to walk into that room confident. You know, it's, what, it's that confidence. They can smell that. You know, I, as a young actor, I would tell my agent, I say, get me in that room and I'll get the part. Those are the words that came out of You get me that audition, I'm going to get that part. And you know what? I'd go into that room and I would get that part. And literally on the way out of the audition, I'd be calling my agent going, yeah, they're going to be calling. I want you to hold out. We're going to play a little hardball. Hold out for some more money. And yeah, they would call and we would hold out and I would get what I wanted. But, you know, it's that confidence. You got to have that confidence. So even if you had a horrible audition, I want you to think, I just rocked this audition on the way out. Because even if your bad audition could be better than the other actor's great audition. You know, I learned that the hard way. I'd come out of an audition beating myself up, you know, like, oh, I didn't do what I wanted to do in the room. And then I'd be driving on the way home. and They go, hey, you got the part. I go, what? Are you kidding me? What room were they in? But, you know, apparently my bad stuff was better than the other guy's good stuff. So here's an important thing. On the way, once you're done with your audition, leave it alone. You're done. The audition's over. If you've done your job, you've done all the prep, you went in there, you rocked the room, you had some fun, leave it alone. It's over. Next, you move on. You don't overanalyze. You don't think I should have, would have, could have done this. I didn't do that. You can't do that. You drive yourself freaking crazy. You can't want the part. Just go in there. Have fun. I know actors that, you know, they, they had an amazing career. They have 100 IMDb credits and, you know, they're not working anymore. Why? Because they stopped having fun. Because it became a job. Because they needed to get the insurance and they put, you know, so much pressure on themselves you know, that they needed the job. It was desperation time. And, you know, you could smell that a mile away. 
if you can go back to the fun while you got into acting in the first place and come from that, that's a powerful place. Fun, you know? People want to be entertained. They want to watch a professional having fun. Okay? So have fun. Be prepared. Be professional. You know, all of that. You're checking all the boxes when you go into the room. The words that come out of your mouth, your preparation, you're not holding your script. I mean, you should have your script there as a backup plan. You know, but you don't want to be fiddling with it. You don't, it's just there, you know, and, and incorporate it. Maybe it's your electric bill. Maybe it's your contract, you know, maybe you're a police officer and that's where you're writing the, the information down. Incorporate those sides into your hand. So you're not just holding a script, but you have them there in case you need to glance down. If you draw a blank, you know, I remember I did a, an episode of Jag and uh, there was three scenes and, um, I had studied my butt off and there were the three scenes and the third scene was my favorite scene. And I went in there and I rocked the first two scenes and they said, thank you very much. And I was like, you know, I wanted to get to the third scene and they said, thank you very much. And I, I insisted that I get to do the third scene. So now I'm halfway through the third scene and I draw a blank and no, I don't have my script. So I have to stop. And the director said, you should have stopped at the second scene. And I left the room so upset that I, I fought for the third scene and then I messed up. I can, you know, I drew a blank. So that's why you want to have a back. You want to have that script there because if I would have had that script, I could have glanced down and picked up my line and, and continued. Long story short, I got the part anyway, because the director told me I knew after the second scene that you were the guy. I didn't have to see the third scene. So you never know. Sometimes you think, you know, they don't like me, but they love you. So your job is just to go in and have fun, play the big game, make some big choices, and then leave it alone. Because I, I had a casting director one time I read for her, and I never, I didn't get the part. And then I come in again, and I read for her, and I rock the room, and I didn't get the part. And I was getting frustrated. I was like, my agent called me up, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to go in. They know what I do. They've seen, you know. But I went in anyway. And I went in there, and I got the part. And... And the part was a really good part. It was on a series with uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, his four, first foray into television. And it was a series called Soldier of Fortune. And it was a reoccurring character. And I was at the rap party and I was talking to the casting director. And I said, I thought you didn't like me. She goes, why would you say that? I go, because you never hired me. I, all the times I came in, I'd rock the room and you know, I didn't get the part. She goes, Billy, she goes, I loved you. She goes, I thought you were great. She goes, I thought you were better than those roles. I held out for a good role, this one, like a reoccurring role for you. And I was like, what? So you never know. You think you know, but you have no idea why, you know, you didn't get the part. It could be the producer's friggin' son got the part or, you know, they made an offer out to a big celebrity or whatever it may be. Your job is to make fans. And that's what I did with that casting director. I came in and I made fans with her and she kept bringing me back because she was trying to find the right role for me. I didn't know that. But, you know, that's what you do. You put the work in, you make fans. And, you know, after a while, you have a bunch of casting directors that are fans of your work because you make them look good. You know, casting directors want you to succeed. They want you to do good. You know, they're not your enemy. You go in there and you make them look good. And they're going to continue to bring you back because if they bring you in front of a producer and you rock the room, you make them look great. So why not go to the actors that they know that they can count on, that are going to come into the room and rock the room? So that's it, you know, pretty much. It's all about preparation. It's all about doing the work. It's about outworking, outchoicing, outprepping the other actors. It's about confidence. It's about walking to the room, owning the room, shining your light, coming from play 
you know, bring the character into the room. Don't leave anything to the imagination. Show them who the character is. Walk out confident and have fun because you love acting and this is a chance for you to act. And this is a chance for you to create a character. And it doesn't matter whether or not you get the part or not. You just do the work and you will make fans. So I believe in you. Use I've given you some serious golden nuggets here. This is stuff that I've applied and I can't tell you how many times. And I've booked a lot of parts, you know, in all kinds of soap operas, commercials, half hour sitcoms, one hour dramas, movies of the week, feature films, you know, you name it. I've been there. I've done it. And I've used this technique and I teach it to my actors, and I know it works. It's worked for me. I'm living the dream. My actors are becoming working actors. They're living the dream. If you want this, go after it with a vengeance. Go get it. It's there. It's there for the taking, but you got to want it more than everybody else. You got to outwork them, outchoice them, outprep them, out everything. And you can do it. You can make your dream a reality. But you got to see it. You got to vision it. You got to smell it. You got to taste it. You got to write it down. When you write it, you invite it. Write it down. I stole that from Joseph McClendon, who's on my podcast. I love that. You truly got to write it down. You know, I'm a big believer in vision boards. See yourself. Take a picture of yourself, you know, with an Academy Award and put your head in that picture, you know. Put it where you can see it. Envision it. Everything in my life that I've ever wanted, like, you know, when I was sitting on that couch at 17 going, I want to do that. Well, guess what? It's like I jumped into my TV set. I was on that set, you know, on my very first audition. I booked that part. It's like you're calling it into the universe. You're telling the universe, this is what I want. And, you know, it's a little law of attraction. You're putting it out there. So believe it, see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, believe that you can achieve this dream. Go after it with a vengeance. Take massive action. You can make this a reality. That's it for me. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Go after your dreams. And I'll see you on the next podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.